Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. Welcome back to TV Gold. It's a new year. Can you believe it's 2024? Welcome back to my uh, co-host, Andrew Mercado. And don't we have a long list of shows to contend with? It does. I mean, it seems like yesterday we had that two-part <laughs> sort of epic about all the great shows of 2023. Yeah. And we're recording this, what, 11 days in to the new year, and there's already a huge list of programs. Yeah. We always have trouble keeping up, but, you know, we, we're going to have to make some tough decisions. I've got a feeling <laughs> about what we can keep on top of. There's a lot going on. Yeah, and I keep waiting. When is this effect of the writer's strike going to kick in and slow everything down? It's certainly not slow at the moment. Although maybe we've got so many shows going on at the moment because, you know, apart from the UK, most of the rest of America and Australia, the free-to-air networks go on summer holidays and Christmas break. And yeah. so, you know, streaming have very cleverly gone right. That's when we'll come in with new product because there's less new stuff to watch on Freeway TV. Yeah, and I think the global market's taken up a lot of the slack. Yeah. I mean, we've got, what, what are we going to talk about this week? We're going to talk about, um, there's only one US series in about seven or eight shows. We'll talk about Fool Me Once on Netflix from the UK, Society of the Snow, um, South America, Netflix film, Boy Swallows Universe, Aussie Drama, Total Control, Aussie Drama, um, I'm going to mention The Tourist, which is sort of um, Irish, UK, I guess. You <laughs> and an Aussie Connection. Yeah, with Aussie Connections. And um, TED, I'll have a quick chat about TED, which is the one real sort of US um, production out of all these. And I'll be talking about Foe, a movie which is screen, which was filmed in Australia. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite incredible. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Before we get into it, I've got a, a sort of January always kicks off with the uh, the Golden Globe Awards that I, I quite enjoyed it, I must say, this year. Did did you catch it? I, I, I had it on in the background. <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't think it was great. The results were predictable. They were fine. I don't have a problem with it. But, yeah, there were no real surprises in all of that for me, and it felt a bit flat this year. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good, actually. It was CBS did quite a good job. It looked looked quite glossy and um, very impressive room of talent, you know, the, yeah. all the people involved. Oppenheimer won a lot. I still haven't seen that. <laughs> Me neither. I, I really want to get to it. But um, lots of Australians, you know, being um, rewarded for their work, which is always good to see. And, you know, the, the poor host copped a lot. It was Joe Coy. Um, yeah. I didn't mind him, you know. I thought it was like he acknowledged when a lot of his jokes were dodgy and he, and he moved on. I thought he did a reasonable job. Well, I think that was actually a mistake. I don't think the people in that room care about whether you wrote the joke today or 10 <laughs> days ago. He kind of did that to try to get them on board, and I think it got them even more offside. So, yeah, he, uh, it, you know, th that's why I say it was a bit flat. From that opening monologue, it was like it was okay, but yeah. it wasn't one for the ages where you're like, going, can I rewind that? That was so funny, you know? Of course, no, you're, you're right there. That was, of course, shown on, I think, for the second successive year, it was on Stan. Yep. Stan's becoming a little bit of a go-to place for award shows. Yeah. have got the Critics' Choice Awards on um, a few days after we'll record this. You yeah. You can watch it live, I think, on the Monday morning. 
That should be the 15th of January. Of course, it'll be on demand after that if you want to see it. And it's a, an interesting, um, again, they they sort of uh, reward both movies and television. Yeah. So it's another interesting award show that we've never really seen a lot of here in Australia. No, I mean, if you're into those shows and you want to watch, you might as well watch them all. If we're going to watch the BAFTAs and the Golden Globes and the Screen Actor Guild Awards and all that, might as well do the other one in the lead up to the Oscars. Yeah, do them all. Okay, look, let's get into the shows. Um, otherwise, we'll never finish this this episode. No. A Boy Swallows Universe is the, the, the big talking point at the moment. It, uh, it's cropped up on Netflix today as we record this. All seven episodes had a Oh, sort of a world premiere in Brisbane earlier this week. I haven't read the book. Have you read the oh, book? I, yeah, I've read the book. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was all, this was all a surprise to me and it sort of really knocked me a little bit. I, I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't think it'd be this edgy. It's quite a, an edgy, gritty story. And, um, you know, Netflix are calling this an epic, epic TV. And for me, I think they're probably pretty right. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's been a few years since I've read the book, but when I was watching it, there was every now and then there'd be someone or that I wouldn't remember, but then so, I'd go, yeah, right, I absolute that's exactly how I remember it from the novel. So it's interesting for me because I'm a Brisbane boy. I grew up there, so you know, that means I found one little mistake <laughs> in the very first start of the show. It's minor, but I have to say it because it's a TV mistake. They're watching the 10 news right. and there was no channel 10 in brisbane until late 1988 this story is set in 1985-86 and channel 10 brisbane was channel o uh-huh. and they so they've got the logo wrong when they're watching the news uh and look i maybe i don't think i just think it's a mistake they didn't make it and maybe someone said look if we did channel o people might think you're watching sbs because you know there was o 28 but yeah that's just one little tv error i picked up from the first bit but that's the only negative thing i've got to say about boy swallows universe on netflix it's fantastic I'm really loving it. Uh, of course, Felix Cameron playing uh, Eli as a little boy. What a what an incredible screen presence he brings to it. Phoebe Tonkin as his mother. Uh, but the two real standouts for me after the first couple of episodes are Travis Fimmel as yeah. the stepdad Lyle and Anthony LaPaglia uh, as this uh, weird guy that makes prosthetic limbs. I mean, Travis Fimmel, it's so fantastic. Since he's come back to Australia, he's been in so many great shows. He's made such great choices too. He was in Court. He was in uh, that one we love, Black Snow, was Black it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just but, months ago. Yeah, but here he is once again doing this characterization that's very unique to this role. I just love him running around with his little esky, the way that he walks as he's doing his drug deals. Yeah, it's it's fan fantastic. Yeah, look, they've really nailed the cast, haven't they? It's um it's just so good. The the standout for me was Phoebe Tonkin, I guess, as um yeah. as Francis, the mother of uh, Eli and Gus. And she's just, wow, what she goes through. I've seen on a partway through the third episode and what she goes through in just, just in that, that much of the series, just some incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, just amazing. 
The other TV uh, thing that they've kept from the novel in this is that the prisoners in Boggo Road Jail are hooked on days of our lives. And uh, as punishment, they take the TV set and they riot if they can't find out what's happening. And I remember when I was interviewing Ken Corday, the executive producer of Days of Our Lives, whose mother created the show 60 right. years ago, I was interviewing him for Media Week and he was flying out and I said, have, have you heard of this book? And he said, no, I've never heard of it. And I was like, you have to buy it at the airport as you're flying out. The Days of Our Lives, there's a thread all the way through it. So he bought it and there, there, there's the logo in in the show. They've, they've kept the soap as it was written by author Trent Dalton. So, yeah, I'm, it's, it's going to be great. I can't wait. It's seven parts. I've watched the first two. It launches on Netflix. Uh, by the time you're hearing this podcast, it'll be there to watch. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun, very funny scene that – fighting over the TV. <laughs> They've got the logo on the screen in in the prison yard. Um, yeah, that, that, that cast, um, Brian Brown's another one I want to mention. He, yeah. He, he's really good. He's He plays a very folksy character mostly, you know, a bit of a jokey old-timer in a lot of his work recently. Yeah. This one shows you off why he really made a name for himself, I think, you know, when he was younger. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, for me, Brian Brown, he's playing Brian Brown. He's doing what he's always done so well. But the character that he's playing is, you know, I, I can really see him in the novel, so I sort of know where we're going with it. So, yeah, it's it, look, it's it's great. Everyone in it is fantastic. Yeah. And the supporting cast, I mean, the, the supporting cast would be the key cast in any other production. You know, Deborah Mailman turns up yep. at, the, at the school. Um Adam Briggs is in the in the prison. Yeah, Briggs is there in the jail. That's that's amazing. You know, he does um, so good. It's um, and also James, one of my favourites, my new favourite Aussie actor Ben O'Toole is in it. He's the guy from Court and Barons. Okay, and he plays uh, Lyle's workmate that sort of uh, comes along on the deal, but runs at the first sign of trouble. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. Look, it's it's fantastic and. Just what they've done with the sort of, you know, that's a it's a coming of age story. It's about a young boy sort of, you know, learning the realities of life, you know, and um and making the best of the sort of hand he's been dealt with, you know. But it's yeah. just yeah, it's amazing. And I'm just really looking forward to getting through it all. I mean, I'll make a rash statement say I'd love to read the book, but whether that'll happen with <laughs> so much TV to read. Um I started the year with, you know, a, a big um, – I always start the year saying I'm going to read more, but um, it's already dropping off. I started like a steam train, but as more shows turn up, you find it hard to fit in the time to read the book. Audio books, James. Get well, that yeah, audible. So, it's still don't you walk, walk the dog. That's when I'm listening to my audio books. As soon as I get up, if I'm not listening to breakfast news, I'm listening to an audio book. Yeah, I guess I write about radio as well, so I've got to listen to it. Yeah, true, true. And there's, I have a bunch of podcasts that I also listen to. <laughs> so, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, look, Boy Swallows Universe, big thumbs up from um, both of us. That's on Netflix, seven episodes. We've got a bit of a Netflix theme this week. Let's stay yeah. with Netflix for the next one. Fool Me Once is an eight-part thriller, and a thriller in the two, true sense of the word um again I, I knocked off all eight episodes of this i had to keep going it uh dropped over the break and i um i really enjoyed this 
Yeah, me too. At, at first I was like, I started watching it and I liked it, but it was like, oh, <laughs> do I really have time to watch eight episodes of this? But of course I did. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, how can you not with that cast? I mean, there's two people in that the show that I love. Of course, you know, Joanna Lumley as the mother-in-law. But, you know, the star of the show is Michelle Keegan, who plays yes. Maya. She drives the action. Of course, uh, Michelle Keegan was in 10 Pound Ponds that we watched last year. And, you know, she's one of my Corrie girls. She was uh, – Got her break on Coronation Street. You know, her character Tina is remembered as one of the great characters on The Cobbles. And she's very strong. You know, she's a strong actress and she can carry this material. And she's she plays tough girls. And, you know, the, this character, you know, determined to find out the truth about what has happened to her husband, uh, who comes from a very rich family. And the, the plot sort of like, you know, starts barreling along. And look, I thought the ending of it was terrific, James. I mean, the twists and turns at the end of it, that last episode was mind-blowing. It was so good. Yeah, yeah, no. Absolutely. It really delivered. Yes. Yeah, 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 sure. Looks from a novel by Harlan Coben, who's a very successful crime writer. And this yep. is something like his – I'm just – Guessing now, I think it's something like his 28th book or something. Wow. He really pumps the stuff out. And I read a bit of an interview with him, how he talks about he's the sort of, he's the twist and turn guy. He doesn't like writing stuff that doesn't make it exciting and really keeps you engaged. And re they've really captured that in this, you know. there's Each series ends with a cracking cliffhanger. Each episode of the yeah. series ends with a cracking cliffhanger. There's even stuff, twists and turns in the middle of the episode. There's yeah. So many things going on. Um, it's just amazing. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Michelle Keegan. Yeah, 10 pound poms, 861 episodes of, of Corrie. So, um, yeah, she was there for a while. She, yeah. came, she came on as a big part. She was one of those actors. As soon as she hit it, they went, wow, sign her. Yeah. Um, Adil Actor plays the, um, Detective Inspector or the yep. Detective Sergeant uh, Sammy Kearse in this. He's so good. So good. He has a lot of medical issues. He's, he's got a lot going on in his life as well as working on this case. I loved yep. him in Sherwood. Um, yeah. He got into a bit of trouble in that. And uh, he was in Killing Eve as well. I really enjoyed him. Richard Armitage, he, he doesn't have a lot to do. He he plays the um, the dead husband, right? Um Richard, uh, Joe. Yeah. Um, but he, he, he comes back. You see there's flashbacks in a few scenes that involved him. But he was in that – he played William in that pretty awful um, miniseries Obsession we watched last oh, year. Oh, God, that, that was terrible. Where he was a British politician that fell in love with his daughter-in-law. Shocking. Yeah, Remake of a movie, Jeremy Irons movie, shocking. It was so bad. It was good though. I quite. It was quite <laughs> fun. Like I think it was just four episodes. Um, look, it's worth checking out if you want to see see something really ridiculous. Look, Joanna Lumley, we both love as Judith Burkett in this. Yeah. Um, a, 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 sort of a hard dramatic role. You don't see a lot of uh, her doing a lot of that these days. You usually see her on screen now in doing her documentaries. You know where she's yeah the world and having a bit of fun. She does a lot of talk shows where she's a much sought-after guest, but it's good to see her doing some sort of dramatic work here. Uh, she's the mother of the 
dead Joe, the, the guy who dies, and also the head of the family running the Burkitt Corporation, which is, becomes pretty central to the whole storyline. Yeah, it does. I think uh, Richard Armitage was also in The Stranger, another Netflix series, which was also written by the same author. So he's uh, onto a good thing with Netflix. The Stranger was that one. It co-starred Jennifer Saunders, if we're making an ab fab link here. Of, <laughs> here he is in one show with Joanna Lumley, but uh, Jennifer Saunders was in The Stranger on Netflix a few years back. And I think The Stranger might have been repeated on the ABC at some point too. I think Netflix might have unsold it. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that's um... – that's on Netflix. Fool me once, eight episodes, and you can watch them all now. And just one thing I want you to look out for in that last yeah. episode, there's a lot going on with all the <laughs> twists and turns, but something that a couple of people have pointed out on social media that I clocked as well, one of the characters sitting there with a feeding tube attached to her as part of this, let's get some more disability to be seen on screen and normalise it. And, yeah. you know, the woman at the police station who's there and gets, she's giving the messages, if you look closely, she's got a feeding tube uh, okay. attached to her. So, yeah, what? what well done to, uh, to just, you know, slide these in where we're not making a big deal of it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, look, our final Netflix production we're going to review this week is Society of the Snow. Yeah. Um, not normally something I sort of watch, but I read about this and, that, and everything I read said it's been so well done. And uh, it's the fascinating story, of course, about a, a football team from Uruguay, which is it goes down in a plane crash um, in the Andes on its way to it's on its way to Chile, is it? I think it is. Yes, from um, from Uruguay to Chile, and what happens to the the the? Not everybody dies in the crash. There's a lot of survivors, and just how they deal with um, with life. They sit around, they're waiting to get rescued. They're hoping they're going to be rescued, and it just tells the tale. And it's just fascinating and so well done. Well, this is a true story. I don't know whether you remember in the 70s, but there was a kind of an it was almost exploitation. It was called Survive. That's There'd been right. a Mexican movie made about this. This was the movie that Alan Carr and Robert Stigwood bought, took to Paramount Pictures, turned it into a big hit, and then Robert Stigwood went on to make Saturday Night Fever and Alan Carr went on to make Grease. So, you know, but I remember when it was in cinemas, it was kind of being presented as, because let's face it, this is a story of the, the interest in this is that uh, this is about cannibalism. This is what these people had to do to stay alive. There was no food to eat. They were up on a snow-capped mountain. So I never saw the original. They did a Hollywood remake with Ethan Hawke in 1993 called Alive. I had no interest in watching that. And I actually didn't want to watch this because I love disaster pics, but I don't like real-life disaster <laughs> stories. But I thought I'd give it a go. And, of course, the plane crash, wow, that was yeah. so amazingly well done. And it's hilarious, James. If you go to uh, YouTube and Google the trailer for right. 
um, the first movie that Alan Carr did. And it's just so, so shonky. (laughs) And, you know, it's basically the plane's crashing and everyone's in their seats going, oh, well, snow is coming in through the window at them. It's like, please, it it didn't land like that. And then you see the reality of the way that they've got it in this Netflix series. So, yeah, there was a couple of moments here where I was like, I don't want to keep, I don't want to watch this, I don't want to, I got up and left the room, I walked around a couple of times. But I'm glad I stuck it out. But, oh, God, there's that part where they get buried under an avalanche. It's like, oh. please, God, are these people not being tortured enough? Now they're buried in snow. Like, it was just horrific. But, my God, the ending of it was incredible. It is. It is. the. Um, we won't say what happens to people aren't familiar with the story. <laughs> oh. But um, but what I liked about it, it wasn't exploitative. At the, the, no. The way it was told, I was very uncomfortable with um, – Watching how they how they managed to survive, right? Yeah, but but that just wasn't played up at all. No, it wasn't, and, and, and I Handled think that's so well. Yeah, that, it's been done with sensitivity this time, and I can't comment on the Ethan Hawke movie because I haven't seen it. But my understanding of that seventies movie based on this, it was not done with a lot of sensitivity. It was very much a kind of an exploitation pick. Yeah, so yeah, I'm really glad that. These people have finally got to tell their story, uh, and it's been done with great sensitivity. Yeah, and I mean, so often during it, you're looking at it and going, "Gee, how did they manage to film that?" You know, it's just, yeah. There's just you just because they make a couple of expeditions out from the plane, you know, hoping they might be able to find a way out of where they've landed, and it's just the scenes where they're just clearly really in a place in the middle of nowhere yeah and just no other footprints or anything just no going through the snow and it's just so incredible and i mean the plane was white and it crashed into a white snow-capped mountain and that horrific moment where the guys climb up the mountain looking for where where the tail of the plane crashed and they look back and go oh my god look you can't (laughs) see where we are we're never going to be found oh horrific yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so that's a uh, movie on Netflix. I think it's about just a tad, just over two hours, but mm. it, it doesn't seem long at all. It's um, there's enough going on to to keep you enthralled all the way through. Society of, uh, society of the snow. Let's go back to Australian content. Season three of Total Control. They're calling this the final season, Andrew. Yeah, amazing. I've watched the first episode. I don't think I've had time to watch two yet. You know, so great. Uh, one of the uh, very interesting things about this, uh, it kind of feels to me now like Total Control is like an Australian version of the West Wing. Yeah. A kind of look at politics and the machinations, showing you the bad guys, but showing you the that there are some good people in government who are idealistic, who are trying to do the right thing up against uh, all the wheeling and dealing of, you know, career politicians all around them. Um, you know, I love it that the main cast is back, Deborah Mailman, Rachel Griffiths, Anthony Hayes, Wayne Blair. But, wow, the standout for me now in this third series uh, is Lisa Hensley oh. as the advisor to the politician. You look at it and go, wow, where's Lisa Hensley been all these years? She absolutely steals the show for me. Oh, yeah, look, I'm with you. I'm glad you picked that out. That's the one uh, I've done a separate note about her. But where has she been? Look, let's hope this is a return to um, 
to sort of uh, some good acting roles for her. She was in uh, Penguin Bloom and Palm Beach relatively recently. The tiny little roles in those. Oh, shows. Yeah, but she, she's only done guest spots, but you got to go back to some. Did you know? I can't remember Law of the Land. Did yeah, that remember? was a Channel 9 drama. That came on after. So she did Brides of Christ, right? That was a big breakthrough. Yeah, 50 yeah. episodes of Law of the Land. Yeah, it was like a show set in the country, and it wasn't really great. It was kind of about nothing. And okay. It, people don't really remember it now. It was okay, but it was just one of those shows that just never quite, I think, had a good sense of what it was about. Yeah. Yeah, but look, she's it's not a major role she's got, but it's a bit of a scene stealer when, oh. she's, uh, when she's acting there. And she's, you know, along, alongside some impressive people, I think she's chief of staff for um, – Paul Murphy, which is Wayne Blair's character, yeah. who is Australia's first, you know, Aboriginal Prime Minister. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's just she's there acting beside him and it's just so powerful, some of those scenes. Well, that meeting that she's running where you've got Rachel Griffiths and Deborah Malman and everyone's and she's running the meeting, she's like, okay, yep, got it, thanks, and, like, trying to move on to the next subject. Man, the way she's cutting everybody down, it's like, you know, Wow, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, you could you could even do a spin-off, couldn't you, and have her pretty a, much a character about, you yeah. know. Um, you I can't could, quite figure out whether or not she's channeling Julie Bishop with maybe a bit of the Bridget McKenzie with the blonde hair flick. You know, there's <laughs> there's a few women in there. I'm trying to figure out who is she trying. She's trying to be the the Labour version of a Peter Credlin. It's very funny, whatever she's doing. It's great. Well, that's and it's interesting because these sort of um Politicians, advisors in this often have a like Rob Collins, you know, is great. Charlie Irving, yeah, he's got some great scenes in this. And what about Steph Tisdall too? As, yeah, um, as um, Deborah Mailman's, you know, um, Alex's uh, assistant. She's fantastic in this. She's so great in this. I wish I could say that Steph Tisdall was great in Bump, playing the mayor. But right. I felt that the character, it was real caricature uh, stuff in that. I didn't okay. really buy her as the mayor of the inner west. But So seeing her go back and, and playing uh, a more solid character in Total Control, it was like, yeah, great. That's the Steph Tisdall I want to see. Yeah. So and I think it's the end of that second episode. Is it Rachel Griffiths makes Steph Tisdall a... An offer, um, a surprise offer. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It might even be the third ep. I think it's in the second episode. But it's it's interesting. It's um, she gives her an answer then, but then you can see well after um, Rachel Griffiths leaves the office, she's starting to think about mm, maybe which could could be really an interesting twist if it um if it comes up again in this series look when i watched this i had to go back though because i wanted to refresh myself a bit with because it's been two years since yeah. episode two and i just wanted to remember and so season one so at deborah Marlman's character alex is a new senator um and then she gets into some pretty heavy wheeling and dealing very quickly in her career um, yeah. and i think that series ended with her having a big fallout from the party she was a member of no, I, think, I think she quit and became an independent. Yep. Um, season two is when Wayne Blair's character uh, crops up um, as the politician Paul Murphy. And I think season two ended with Alex hatching a plan 
where um, Wayne Blair is able to become prime minister. Yes. He's sort of the the kingmaker, if you like, in all of that. And um, William McInnes, was William McInnes the prime minister or just leader of a party? Yeah, I I know he was there. He was definitely leader of the opposition or, you know, there was Anthony Hayes and William McInnes were in a power struggle, weren't they, for that side of politics? Yeah, I'm not, I can't quite remember when, um, when Rachel Anderson, which is Rachel Griffith's character, was dethroned as the PM. Yeah. But it was it was during that season, I think. But, but, but yeah. I really like that the incident in series one that was a kind of a a, a storyline, which was the two young Aboriginal girls yes. uh, who die in youth detention. Uh, that story hasn't been forgotten and it's still very relevant in uh, series three and uh, Deborah Malman character is still you know, demanding uh, that there be some reform uh, in youth justice and uh, it's her keynote policy and, uh, you know, of course, politics is going to mean that maybe she isn't going to get her wish straight away. Sure, sure. Um, yep, yeah, okay, yes, yeah, so look, it's very good. that It starts off that first episode, there's some really bad floods and, um Deborah Mailman's up there and she's, you know, she she always speaks her mind, you know. She's shocked by what she sees, the lack of government support for these people that have been impacted by the floods. And she just speaks her mind, you know, that she's interviewed on screen and she just pays out on the government and says, you know, look, there, there's just not enough going on. And, of course, you know, um, Paul Murphy um, um, just cracks it as well and says, look, you know, Give me some warning on these things, and <laughs> and and it's something that that occurs uh, a few times, even in those first couple of episodes. She she just you know serves to get in all sorts of scrapes, and there's um some medical issues crop up too in this uh, third season, which I'm not sure how they will develop, but that's yeah. uh, that's interesting and what as well. So there's a lot going in. A great show, well made by our Blackfella film. So um good on them. I'll certainly be sticking with all of those. Totally. Absolutely. Totally in control with total control. We're in. Six episodes are dropping weekly on the ABC. I just wanted to quickly mention Ted. You would have thought, look, with two movies about this sort of teddy bear that can talk, is there much <laughs> much else where it could go? Well, yes, uh, it's been turned into a TV series. It's on Binge uh, from Seth MacFarlane. And look, Look, I, I watched one of the movies. I thought it was okay. Yeah. It didn't bother with the second one. But whenever I see it, I go, I laugh, you know, because it is sort of funny. Yeah. It's, it's a foul-mouthed teddy. <laughs> yeah. Seth MacFarlane's very good doing the voice. It's really well written. It's clever. Yeah. I've only watched one episode of, of I think there's um there's seven of these. or I think they're all available on Binge. And look, it is funny. You know, it's set in 1993, um, the first episode, Ted's sort of by himself at home. He's living with a family. I think it's in Minnesota. It's somewhere in middle America. Um, he's living with like an average American family, if you like, and but he's left at home alone during the day. He tries to entertain himself and he ends up shooting the, you know, he finds a gun in the cabinet and he, he accidentally sets it off, shoots the TV you know, and the, the family get home at night and go, oh, what have you been doing? You know, there's a bullet hole in the window as well. You know, and they say, look, 
you're going to have to go to school. So that's sort of the the premise that's set up in this first episode. Right. Ted, Ted goes to school and it's sort of, yeah, there's lots of hijinks. It's it's pretty funny. Again, look, it's not compelling. It's not a must watch, but it's a, it's a great bit of light entertainment just to have on half hour episodes. It's, it's good stuff. No, I'm glad you've uh, liked it. I will check it out. I did want to watch it this week, but for some reason my link to the preview didn't work, so uh, I gave it a miss. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Is it set in 1993 because it's following the same timeline as the movies? Where's the Mark Wahlberg character? Is he mentioned? No, I think it's actually a prequel to the Okay. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I can't remember much about the movies. I don't know a lot about the cast. I know Scott Grimes is the father. And I think he was quite a big deal long time ago. I think he was Will in Party of Five. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, that was uh, one of his more memorable roles, at least for me anyway. But, yeah, yeah it's good stuff. And the the, the dialogue's very witty. Um, like there's sitting around the dinner table, that thing that reminded me of All in the Family at times. They, they talk about, oh, I was that racist were you racist did you mean that you know so it's really interesting discussions they have particularly when you think back it's it's 1993 so well the, the reason i asked why is it said in 1993 is i'm almost convinced that a lot of filmmakers tv shows are wanting to set their shows in the era before social media because otherwise if you're making a show today you know people are on the phone all the time texting oh, it's freaking real life now but you know if you set it before that you can make the characters talk to each other yeah yeah or you evolutionary yeah it's interesting you say that because it's something in total control in that first or second episode everybody's at a meeting and their phones are all going off yeah, you know that. So they they have to continue the meeting. They all surrender their mobile phones into the middle of the table. It's the only way they can keep going. Yeah. Um, now you're going to tell tell me a little bit about Foe. So Foe is the new movie from Gareth Davis, uh, who made Lion, that incredible movie. Uh, so he's made a new film. It's sci-fi set in the future, 2065. It stars Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mescal, okay. and he was the Irish actor from Normal People, and, of course, Saoirse's an, an Irish actress too, but they're playing Americans living in the Midwest of America, set in 2065 when there's very little rain, the countryside is all scorched. Um, because of this, uh, the government is sending people on a government program to live on Mars and try and populate the planet there. And I was watching it going, wow, where did they film this? You know, God, to have to get really ugly-looking, burnt-out, dead wasteland, you really need to be in Australia to do that. And sure enough, I looked it up, it was filmed in Victoria and South Australia, which is interesting because Paul Meskell has been in Australia before because there's a movie now on stand called Carmen. It's the latest take on the opera. it is set in Mexico and America, but it was filmed all in Australia. And that is a terrific movie, James. If you haven't seen Carmen, it is really, really, really well done. And so Paul Meskell, invite him back to Australia anytime you like. He's a great actor. But sadly, this does not come together, despite having two of the best actors around at the moment. 
this story, it's just, it just drags on and on. And I haven't finished watching it, but I can tell you the last half hour, I was up and doing other things. It's, it, I'm kind of a, a bit cold by it. So look, uh, proceed with caution here. Uh, it's a great concept. It just doesn't seem to get fully realized. Okay. Okay. On Amazon Prime, by the way, Foe, F-O-E. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Before we wrap today, I'll just mention um, The Tourist, the yep. second season. I, I quite enjoyed The Tourist the first time around. Again, I think it's, it's two years. I've got a feeling it's two years. It wasn't last January, was it? But um, I, I really enjoyed that. So I was interested to see what happened with this one. In fact, when it popped up on Stan, I started to – I hit play – and but it takes you back to the first episode of the first season, right? Don't tell me you watched it all again. On the- <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I didn't, but I started, and I'm going. This looks very familiar. <laughs> then I'm then I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is a recap. But after a couple of minutes, I'm going. It's a very long recap, yeah. and I I worked it out, which is which is easy to do, isn't it, on your streaming yeah. platforms when it puts the viewer in control? <laughs> yeah. You've got to be careful you're hitting the right buttons, yeah? Totally. So anyway, so I eventually found the start of the second season. Um, this is set in Ireland, and Jamie uh, Dornan and Daniel McDonald reprise their roles from the first one. Um, Jamie was a, a backpacker or a tourist in Australia involved in a very bad road accident, loses his memory. Uh, Daniel McDonald, I think, was a trainee police officer. Something like that. Yeah, based in Alice Springs, who was involved in the case um, um, back at the start. Anyway, they they had a relationship and they they travelled to Ireland together in this one, and it becomes a bit of a bit of a chase movie. It's the first episode's not not terribly. Um, I don't know what's the word. It's not a cheery thing, you know. You've, it, it's a bit of a negative. It's uh, there's a lot going on. There's a, there's a lot of chase sequences all around Ireland. They get in a lot of nice scenery. Um, as a, the Irish underworld's involved. Look, I haven't got very far into it yet, but it's. Um, Are you going to finish it? Well, uh, I'm not sure. See, I'm not even going to start it. I did not like the first series. I watched the first couple of episodes. I was like, what is this? This isn't about Australia. This is like just I just couldn't grasp it at all. So I've got no interest in watching series two. Just tell me, how does the Aussie cop Danielle McDonald, what, how do they explain that she's now in Ireland, which is Jamie Dornan with an Irish accent, I presume, lives there? What's she doing there? Well, they've gone there together. Okay. They, they travel together, right? Um, um, so, yeah, they just go over there. So they're in a relationship. It starts off, they're in bed together. And I think it's on a train. Yeah, yeah they're in a train together. And there's dope smoking. Um, they're in uh, somewhere in Asia. Oh, making their way home. For him. Yeah, making their way across to, to Ireland. So they're sort yeah. of travelling the world, if you like. Okay. Uh, as soon as they land in Ireland, that's um, there's a mysterious – someone's written a letter they want to catch up with um, Jamie Dorman's, uh, Dornan's character. Yeah. And um, Elliot. And, um, and then they meet at this sort of idyllic sort of lakeside setting and he's kidnapped. 
and uh, the plot just sort of I don't know you've really got to follow it there's a there's a fair bit going on but there's just and the chase scene just seems to go for a very long time he's he's running away from blokes in a car and he's running down a road but I couldn't help thinking well why doesn't he go through where a car can't go you know it's a bit like the opening to the first series when he was in his little car in the outback followed by a big semi-trailer yeah and the semi-trailer catches up with him eventually but you kept thinking then well why don't you just go in somewhere <laughs> where this massive semi-trailer can't navigate where you could yeah. because you're, but anyway yeah but it's look for for people who enjoyed that first one and i did enjoy it but the the irish setting i mean there's such a lot made in ireland these days of, that's right of intriguing thrillers it's it's not stand out just to have a show set in ireland with some interesting backdrops you need a few more sort of you know engaging things but look i will try and um persevere and report back it's got a couple of interesting creatives i mean harry and um jack williams uh run the production company they're involved in uh the missing baptiste and flea bag yeah uh, they run the production company and a couple of writers um a couple of the creatives were involved in happy valley and gentleman jack uh, Fergus O'Brien, the director and the director of photography, but um, so they're you know they're, they're they're good credits to have. So it's uh, there's a number of reasons there maybe to keep watching. In conclusion, for me this week, I want to talk about Gladiators coming back to Channel Ten on yeah. Monday night. Do you know what, James? It's going to be a ninety minute show, and they're stripping it three times a week. If you remember the original Gladiators that the promo helpfully tells us was done 30 years ago, all oh, the great hit from 30 years ago is back, why would you take a once-a-week, one-hour show, which is just about a bunch of big blokes and women <laughs> knocking each other around in this really cheesy setting, and you're going to do, what's that, three and a half hours, no, four and a half hours of it mm. per week. It's madness. So anyway, let's see what the ratings are next Monday. Gladiators, give me a break. And seriously, if 10 play that promo of Grant Denier dancing to Deal or No Deal one more time, I will throw a brick at my TV. Well, it's good to see you're watching some 10 anyway. So <laughs> well, I watch Neighbours. That's why I see these ads. I, that's about the only thing I watch on free-to-air TV. You're being exposed to those promos. Now, just my memory of Gladiators was a Saturday night, wasn't it? Yes, 6.30, 6 Channel 7. Yep. And it was a great Saturday night show, yeah? Yeah. It Early was that, evening, family yeah. viewing. And it was made in to kind of try and put a bit of a dent in, hey, hey, it's Saturday. Hey, That's hey, it's right. Saturday. Ruled Saturday night for two hours. Gladiators came along. And for a while there, it really knocked hey, hey around. But Gladiators is a very, look, you know, eventually people get sick of it because it's the same thing every week. It's just yeah. guys going up doing these kind of battles. And, you know, it's kind of fun and fresh and new when it begins. And then week after week, you start going, oh, this is just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I, I remember being frustrated. People kept failing in the challenge or something. There Was there a course you had to complete or something? There was a course. And there were, I always, all I can see in my head is two muscle guys with big kind of bars with big foam on them stand yeah. on like a and you know who's going to fall off and hit all the fall down into the rubber mats down below that's literally the only thing i can remember about it 
And was Mike Whitney the host? No. Who was that? Aaron Peterson was the host with Kimberly Joseph from Paradise Beach. And then Aaron Peterson left and Mike Hammond took over, not Mike Whitney, Mike Hammond. Mike Whitney was Who Dares Wins. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, good stuff. Look, I've got nothing else. Let's go and have a lie down after watching all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> we got a lot for next week, though, James. Don't blow, don't nap for too long. Oh, wow. There's some impressive stuff for next week, too, isn't there? Yeah. A lot of good shows. But I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where we are. I've ticked the box on a few of these things. I've still got, I've got to get through the rest of Boys Swallows Universe and Total Control. They're too. Yeah. Must watch us to see all of those before we get too much into um, what's up next. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, Andrew, thank you very much. Um, happy New Year to you and um, look forward to catching up with you again um, next week on TV Gold. Yes, James, happy New Year and happy New Year to all of our TV Gold listeners. See yeah. you for lots of great TV this year. Have you got any thoughts about anything you've seen? Anything we might have dismissed too lightly or praised too highly this week, send us a note, uh, send us an email to comments at tvgold.au. We'll see you again in a week.